Hey, folks, welcome back. Dave DeBow here. And today's special guest, Peter Yim, is zooming in all the way from beautiful Irvine, California, pretty close to Disneyland. And Peter is a real estate entrepreneur, fairly new one. I think he got started a couple of years ago in 2020, right in the smack in the middle of the of the pandemic. He's done a few different things, including a burr and a wholesaling deal. And we're going to dive into what Peter's goals are, what his aspirations are. And if I've got any smart ideas to share with you, Peter, I'll be happy to do that. So welcome to the call. Nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you too. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So Peter, tell us a little bit about you and what your real estate investing story, what, what got you curious and piqued about real estate in the first place? Okay. Uh, just a little bit of myself. Um, okay. Like you say, I'm in Southern California. Uh, I'm an immigrant to this country. I came fairly young to this country from South Korea. Um, Interesting fact, Peter. My yeah. wife is South Korean. Oh, well, <laughs> 안녕하세요. <laughs> My Korean sucks. I don't speak any Korean. Her English is very good, but anyhow. <laughs> well, my Korean is not that great. Uh, I could speak, but yeah. All right. I so so how, what, how old were you when you came to the States? So I immigrated actually to Brazil when I was two years old. Wow. And I lived in Brazil for about 13 years. And I moved to the uh, United States in 1988. And I was a teenager back then. Uh, Very cool. And that's... So Just I, out I of curiosity, what, what, did, uh, what did your parents do that you're moving from so many different countries? What? Okay, I think my parents first wanted to actually move to America. And moving to America, uh, it was very difficult, I think, and it was much easier to move to South America, which is Brazil. And the reason why they did that is there was instability uh, in the South Korean uh, or the Korean Peninsula back in the 70s. Yeah, and it was so, tough in the 70s and 80s, wasn't it? It was very tough. Yeah. For Korea then. And then I think my parents had family members already there okay. in South America. So it just made an easier transition to immigrate to Brazil. Got it. So then you moved to the States when you're pretty young, um, yeah. 1988. Okay, very good. And what has your, what did your professional career take you along? So after I graduated school, uh, college, uh, I ventured into uh, the computers side of the business. I was a network uh, engineer. Uh, mm -hmm. I worked out about 10 years and I, that's, I just figured I'm the, probably in the fifth year or so that's I don't want to work for somebody. And so I started my own business. Uh, I started on the real estate, not, I'm sorry, on the retail side. So I own a brick and mortar before. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how I started uh, my own business. And now I still own a business, uh, online business, online sales. So, um, and that's what I still do to this day. But online what selling been, what, what do you sell online? Uh, I sell a lot of, uh, cell phone related accessories, laptop, and some other little trinkets online. Right. Um, so then what, what was it that out of your entrepreneurial journey, what was it that sparked your interest about real estate investing? Real estate investing. Uh, like I heard from hundreds of different people. So everyone that read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah. that was always in the back of their mind, the real estate. Uh, that's was for me too. And I read that book probably about 15, 20 years ago. I can't remember when. And 
that oh I always thought that you needed money for real estate so I waited until about 2020 when I had some money saved up uh, and how I got invest starting in real estate is I just just did it traditionally I found some turnkey companies and I bought real estate that way uh rent single family rentals so where whereabouts because you're in a very expensive market so I, I do invest outside of California, none of them in Southern California. Mm -hmm. uh, there I have in three different states currently, uh, Tennessee, uh, Florida, and Alabama. Nice. All single family homes? That is correct. Yes. And all turnkey properties? Turnkey property. Yes. Okay. Very good. All right. So you did three of those. Did you do all of those in 2020 or is that over a course of a um, few years? Of course of the last about three to four years. Okay, very good. All right, so you got you got into single family homes, being a landlord. Did this? Did these turnkey properties include turnkey property management as well? Uh, some of them have in-house uh, turn uh, property management, but some of them uh, they just refer to a third-party property management. But bottom and line is, you've outsourced the the management for the three properties. That is correct. Yes. Okay. So what? Before we go on to the other stuff that you've that you've done in real estate, what mm -hmm. have been your big takeaways and your le big learning experiences from the turnkey properties? Uh, takeaways take uh, there. If you have the capital to put the twenty percent down, it's very easy. There, <laughs> there are plenty of properties out there to purchase as a rental. Yeah. That said, uh, there's a lot of if you purchase a uh, single family or for your own home. Uh, you need to give all your, like your DNA samples probably to get a loan from them. Yeah. So every single property I bought, I had to do the exact same process. A little easier in the second and third because I knew the process, but still, it's still very painful to provide all the paperwork. Yeah. So these turnkey companies, were they providing any of the financing or they just said, go get your own financing and, and we'll sell you a place? Oh uh, no, I, I I found my own financing yeah. company. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right. So very easy. You just have to have quite a bit of cash, but the paperwork's a bit of a pain. And right. anything else, like as far as now that you're a little bit further along in your real estate investing journey. So the big pro of the turnkey is simplicity. One of the negatives is the amount of cash that you need and you have to use your own personal credit score to qualify for, for mortgages. Anything else, any other big takeaways as far as pros and cons? Uh, the, the, so these are all outside of my area and some of these properties I haven't even visited. I uh, haven't been to even to the Alabama, actually, any the state alone. So that's a little challenging because it's, you know, you're investing remotely. And you got to trust that turnkey company, especially that, uh, the property management. So the takeaways are you need to work with a really good property management in order to be a successful investment. Hmm. Okay. So what, what, how are you feeling about these investments at this point? Are they working out pretty well for you? Um, so I'm relatively new. Uh, so I think this is, so it's my seventh property. And what I learned is there, there's going to be issues. 
very first six months a year, there might be just, you know, just checks are coming in, your cash flows are great, but problems do, do happen. Tenants do the move out, tenants do damage your property, and it does happen. So uh, very frustrating at the beginning because you, you, you don't know that stuff does happen, but it does happen and it's very normal. So those are the takeaways from that. Yeah, so maybe not as profitable altogether as what you were hoping they would be at the beginning. Because yeah, like you say, six months, you can be getting those cash flows coming in nicely. But then as soon as somebody leaves, if you're vacant for a month, pow, your expenses still keep going, but the income stops. Plus, then you have to pay the property management company to find somebody else to get in there. And then if the first guy damaged the property, you have to pay the property management company to fix it. Is, correct. Is, that yeah. is correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, that that's good. So those those are those three properties. What other kind of deals have you done since then? You say you've done seven transactions altogether? Seven transactions. So, yes. So um, through these turn company, turnkey company, uh, one of the turnkey company introduced me to a wholesaler mentor. So I took that mentorship and this is the where I go into the rabbit hole of uh, wholesaling and creative financing. Uh-huh. So I, from that point, I taken three mentorships, three different mentorships, and I learned a lot. So um, I didn't even understand what wholesaling was. And I, so I did the wholesaling and I didn't like, like it. So uh, yeah, because you just you created a whole other job for yourself there. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So I that's not something I want to do going forward. But so did, did you that, do did did you do some wholesale deals? Oh, I did. I did. I did a couple of them. Uh-huh. So so I was able to do that, and I stopped after that because I just yeah. it was too much work. So too much work. Um, so again, for people, every most everybody that's listening, to this is going to know what wholesaling is. But the key there is to find motivated sellers find really good deals, get those deals tied up under contract, then find a buyer for the contract, usually a flipper or somebody like that who's going to buy that property and then fix it up and sell it for a profit. Big challenge is finding these motivated sellers and and getting the properties under contract. Everybody likes the idea of, of wholesaling because you don't need very much cash to get a property under contract. However, the professional wholesalers spend a whole crap ton of money on marketing and systems and software and, and VAs and whatnot to find all of these kind of deals. That's how they're able to do it at scale. So what was your, your big takeaway about the wholesaling as, as far as what was involved? So those are challenges I had. So I, I probably called maybe about two to 300 people. Mm-hmm. in order to get one contract and that said so i'm not very good at it so i was very new to it so probably a very good uh wholesaler could probably done three or four of them within those calls but i was able to do one uh so i didn't have systems and processes in place either uh but a lot a lot of manual work a lot, a lot of manual, manual calls from my yeah. cell phone directly and uh you know a a lot of people not that happy to hear from you i'm sure as well exactly (laughs) especially when you're trying to lowball them so that's and that's another part that i didn't like is yeah is uh 
just getting way under market value. So in order to make money and other the flip, the flippers need to make money. So you need to get a lot lower than the. the so what uh, if you don't mind sharing, Peter, I'm just curious what mm -hmm. with your first two wholesale deals, what kind of fees were you able to generate for self for yourself from doing those? How much uh, so combined, I was able to make about $30,000, which is oh. really good uh, for my very first. Uh, so I tell that to a lot of people and that they say, that's amazing. Why didn't you continue doing it? So, but it, it, well, well, yeah, because yeah, that was to make 30 grand, that was 600 calls that you had to go through to get those two deals done. Correct. How, how long did you focus on that? Like how long was, did oh that gosh. It probably took me about three to four months or so. Yeah. Yeah. And it was consistent calling every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So 30 grand in three to four months, not bad, but it's a but, painful way to make a living. That's, uh, that's make it, doing those cold calls. All right. So, yeah. but you got good at not being shy on the phone. 600 phone calls will, will get you out of that comfort zone and get you comfortable talking to people on the telephone, that's for sure. Uh, plus you you got better at negotiating over the phone. You negotiated a couple of low ball offers, even though you didn't like doing that. So you yeah. did learn some very, very valuable skills and you made 30 grand, which it, hopefully that at least paid for your mentorship and then some. Yeah, yeah, you did. Absolutely. But the big, biggest takeaway was the learning process for sure. Yeah. And getting okay. comfortable talking to people, I was terrified, actually. My yeah. very first probably like 50 calls, I was I not very you. comfortable. But yeah. the more I, you do I it, I admire just like you very much for doing that. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so you learned what you don't want to do. Yeah. And through that experience, did you, did you start seeing other things that were more appealing to you? Yes. Yeah, so like everyone else, I talk to real estate investors, I guess shiny objects. So Mm. I, I learned about bird method and the bird method. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. So I said, I need to try that. So through the wholesaling part, and I was able to, to work with another, the same seller that sold me a contract, uh, I was able to buy another property and that fit the criteria to a bird. So nice. that's why I tackled that. And I was successful at it. Good. Where was the property? Was this in California or outside of California as well? This was in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. So another one in Tennessee. All right. Yes. So I went through the process. It, it was a little stressful because it took a lot longer than uh, I was expecting. The construction supposed to be done in about three months, but it dragged on about seven months. So, oh. mm -hmm. so but that said, uh, I'm very happy with the, with the end result now afterwards. Yeah, uh, that, that that's a strategy I would still like to do. Uh, just I just need to find a property that's, that's okay. So walk us through that. What kind of a property was it? So it, it was a single family. It was a two one, I believe, mm -hmm. initially. So I uh, I was able to, to renovate the whole property. Uh, it was the renovation was about forty thousand, and the purchase price is about twenty five. Okay. So all in, I was probably about seventy five thousand. There's, there's, because I use a cost. hard money loan. Yeah. So I, I was able to experience that also. Uh, <laughs> so that, 
that was a learning process too. <laughs> yes, well, you're learning lots of stuff. So, yeah. so you seventy five thousand all in. It was a two yes. bedroom, one bath property. Is it still two one, or did you make it bigger? You put in a suite. What did you do to the property? So, so it is pretty? still a two one still, but uh, I because the laws or the way the, the appraisal was changed in January first of two thousand twenty three. Uh, there's a basement. I converted a basement into two more bedrooms downstairs and a bathroom, uh, which it really is for two. But in the appraisal, bank's appraisal now doesn't allow that to consider as a, a legal bathroom. And but so the appraisal, what you, I learned, you now have four bedrooms and two bathrooms. Two bathrooms. So I was able to rent for a higher rate because of that reason. Yeah. Uh, the basement, what I learned is, is cannot be considered hundred percent of the square footage that's added to the house. So it's only value at 50%. So but as far as is, a rental goes, which you're holding yeah. on to this long-term as a rental, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Yes. Well, you've, a renter doesn't care what it appraises for. A renter just cares how many bedrooms and how many bathrooms does it have. So that's great. So what are you, what are you renting it out for now? So uh, I'm renting it for nineteen fifty. Well, that's pretty good, my friend. Pretty good. Yes, yeah. So I, I'm very happy with the random result of that. Yeah. So now, what what's what are your goals moving ahead, Peter? What are you planning on doing more of? So this creative financing is what I I'm passionate about now. It's I joined another mentorship by Pace Morby. Uh, he's kind of known for the creative financing on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, and he has about probably 10,000 plus now uh, members to yep. his community. Uh, so that's what I'm doing now. I'm currently working on a strategy called RAP, which means I, I'm finding an end buyer to purchase my property. And I'm just creating a note. That's pretty much what it is to a person that can't qualify for a traditional uh, financing. So, okay, so basically, yeah, wrap, in my recollection, these have been around for a long, long, long time. Yes. So especially right now, if you're able to buy, get, get a property that's got an existing mortgage on it, especially a mortgage that's a few years old in, the, in those low interest rate times, you know, and the beautiful thing about properties in the States is you, you can have a, literally a 25 year mortgage and it's 25 years. You don't have to, in Canada, you have to renew these things every three, five, um, seven years. Right. So it's locked in at two and a half, three 3%, whatever that mortgage is. You negotiate with the seller. You have to find kind of a motivated seller for this and you get control of the property or you get ownership of the property with the existing mortgage still on it but then you turn around and you owner finance it to the end buyer. And the part of your profit is the difference in the terms of the mortgage. So if you're, if the underlying mortgage is 3% a year, but you're charging the end buyer 7% for, for their mortgage, then you've got that, you know, 4% play there, which doesn't sound like that much, but over time, it really, really, really adds up, especially on a 2025 year note. Is that, am I getting the idea? Yeah, right? absolutely. You, got, you hit it on the nail. Yes, that is yeah. correct. Okay, yeah. so cool. That's what you're wanting to do. So the 
I'm guessing I haven't taken any paces training, but I've, I've, I'm familiar with creative financing type stuff. So I'm guessing the big trick here is finding those kind of properties. Is that correct? So and that what, is correct. What, yes. What market are you focusing on there? Tennessee as well. So currently, I am focusing on Tennessee and Jacksonville, Florida, to two yeah. markets. Okay. Um, and what are you doing to market in those markets to find these kind of properties? So there are several different ways. I have tried uh, online marketing, uh, Facebook specifically, but that's very costly. It's just just yeah. like Google Ads. It's just very costly to do that. So uh, my strategy is calling a direct to agent. Well, now you're comfortable on, on the phone, aren't you? Yeah, I am a lot comfortable. Absolutely, you're right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so I call uh, agents uh, that have listed uh, on the MLS. Yeah. It's, so it's to uh, the it's public data, uh, but there's softwares out there that you could see what kind of mortgage they have, okay. and also when they bought it. So that's kind of important when they bought sure. it because uh, the, the attractive part of this deal is like you said is the mortgage is because mm -hmm. if you have another 25 to 28 years left that's a huge uh asset it's I, I believe that's more of an asset than actually the property yeah definitely okay so you, well walk me through that so you're calling the realtors that have these properties listed yes and then what because at the end of the day you have to negotiate this with the seller not with the realtor. So what kind of questions are you asking the realtor to see if there's any interest? So the strategy is to have uh, listed on the MLS for at least 30 days plus. Okay, so, so they've been on the market. There. Yeah, They're getting a little old. So that's very, uh, I would say it's not, the real estate agents are not used to that because it's they've been selling in five to, in two weeks, they're just out yeah. of the MLS. So. Now. Got it. Slowing down. So the motivation for the agent to present this to their uh, client or their, the seller is because the market has told them that the, the price that they're asking is not, there's not enough buyers for that. So are you basically going in and saying, hey, I'll pay full asking price for the right. property if the owner will do what? If they're uh, agreeing for some kind of terms. Okay. So, we're so a big concern a lot of realtors have is any kind of creative type deals. They're concerned about not getting paid their commission. Um, right. So what, how do you address that with the realtors? Oh, the very first thing is when I, before I, I pitch the terms is, uh, is your sellers open to this? And the, I mean, the number one thing is they need to get paid. So, uh, I make sure that they hear that they will get paid their commission. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Full commission <laughs> paid type thing. All right. Yes. So, yeah, I, I like this idea. And sorry that I'm asking so many questions, Peter. I'm just very yeah. genuinely curious. All right. Yeah. So you're calling the realtors. They've got an old listing on the MLS, 30 days or more. They're starting to get a little bit worried. The seller's put the pressure on them to get more viewings. They This Peter guy calls him up from Irvine, California. He's a real <laughs> estate investor, but yeah. he's willing to pay full price for the property as long as you guys are a little bit flexible on the term. So that gets them interested. 
And then where does it typically, where's it supposed to go from there, Peter? So the, from there, if, if the agent is able to present that to the seller and there are, they want to hear me out. So that's either we'll get them on call three ways or a Zoom call yeah. and explain the process and make sure they're comfortable uh, of what, what I'm pitching it to them. So basically, and, are, you, are you pitching them that you will get them their equity in cash or most yeah. of their equity in cash? as long as you can keep the underlying financing on the property in their name. In their name, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, okay. Because so that, bottom line mortgage is, is not, yeah, it's not transferable, yes. Exactly. Yeah. So the big benefit for them is a quick sale. They're getting all the cash they wanted, they, they were hoping to get out of that deal. Realtors getting paid, right? The yeah. big negatives are, the mortgage stays in their name. They're still, you know, that's on their credit. That's going to affect how much they're going to be able to, or how easily they're going to qualify for another property. Yes. Uh, plus, if all hell goes to, <laughs> everything goes to hell, they're, they're responsible for that mortgage, but they're no longer owners of the property. Is, am I getting that right? That is correct. Uh, yeah, if the contract is written that, uh, for some reason, I, I I don't pay the mortgage that I, I agreed to. The property will go back to them. So is this is is it an actual purchase or is this more of a lease option type of a scenario? No, it is a purchase. So the deed will be transferred to my name or my uh, LLC. Uh -huh. So it, it is a transfer of ownership. Just the uh, underlying mortgage stays in their name. Okay, so how does it work that they would get the ownership back if you stop paying the? So the how that works is uh, I have a servicing company paying them directly, not directly to the seller, but to the bank. So the bank, yeah. So there, there's a you know paper trail where this is all done legally. Yeah. And so, um, and then they'll get notice every time a uh, payment is made uh, by email, and if there's a default they'll get notified right away. So mm -hmm. that's when they can take action five to 10 years down the line, which the likelihood of the price of the property will be higher. Uh, so they can take over and, and do whatever they want at that point. But, uh, but how would they be able to do that? Would they have to go through a foreclosure type process or does, is there some sort of trigger that the, the deed goes back to them kind of automatically? How, do, how does that uh, so work? yeah they they could just contact the exact the title company that we use to close this transaction and they'll just take care of it so the basically the title company kind of holds the the deed in trust for lack of a better term deed, that's right. right that is correct yeah if you default out automatically when they contact them they will just transfer the deed back to them well that's pretty uh that's pretty appealing yeah. that's that that gives a a big level of uh security for the seller. So the biggest hurdle then is just how this impacts their credit uh, for being able to purchase another property. Would that be the biggest issue? So that, that could be an issue, but uh, the because you have a servicing company uh, financing that, so you got to find the right uh, financing company or mortgage company to order to qualify for another mortgage yeah. if they're, they want to buy another home. Uh, this comes across a lot when uh, VA entitlement, uh, mm -hmm. that's a big one. 
Uh, but there's it's not a workaround. It, it's actually legal to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Nahud is, there's a, I forget the line in there, but it is totally legal. So you won't get 100% of that DTI, so your debt to income. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll probably get about 80%. So how they calculate this is, is it for their, is their rental? If you, okay. you know what I mean? It, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It, it, so, so it's servicing their debt is even though there's their name. So that kind of erases that debt away because that kind of makes sense, right? Because at yeah. the end of the day, you're legally committed to paying their mortgage. Yes. Which is almost like having a tenant in there paying rent. That's just covering the, the, the base expenses, but if they yes. can show on paper that they've got a contract for that, I get it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Very, very cool. Well, thanks for explaining that, Peter. So, yeah, no um, so have you done one of these yet or are you just kind of in the process of kicking things? I have done it. In, yes, I have done it. And nice. that's what I'm in the process right now in, in closing the, the end buyer. Congratulations. Currently. Yeah. No, that's per- exciting stuff. It. Yeah. So what is the what do the numbers look like on this deal that you're doing if you don't mind sharing? So uh the numbers it's the purchase price was about 95,000 so it's a relatively low property. Yeah. Uh the selling price is 110. Uh the delta interest rate is 3 I think it's 4.25 what I took over and I'm selling at 8%. So there's wow. about 3 and a half 3.8 percent or something mm-hmm. it's not a lot of big cash flow but i don't have a headache of uh a tenant well you know what it's probably not yeah. bad cash flow so what is it going to cash flow so you you don't have a huge amount of lift at the end but the difference in those mortgages is huge so the underlying mortgage is going to get paid down way way faster you know the principal interest and taxes, you know, the principal is yes. going to get paid down a lot faster than the new mortgage. And there's, you know, it's it's double the interest rate, what you're charging with That's the new right. one. So what it, what is that going to look like as far as net it, cash it's flow? It's going to gonna probably cash flow uh, because I'm not going to have any expenses just as a rental, the property management and then uh, yeah. stuff that you need to fix. So it's about $400 that uh, I'm going to be making uh, cash flow. Per month, right, yeah. Yes. Very nice. And then is the goal there just to kind of hold that one long-term or as as long as the the current, the new buyers live in it until, because once they sell the property, then everything kind of disappears, Yeah. right? Um, So is the goal to kind of hold on to that as long as you can, or are you going to sell the note? Uh, No, I'm probably going to keep the note. Yeah. Uh, the sellers, I mean, I'm the buyers uh, have uh, told me that they want to pay off earlier, okay. which I'm fine with that. So, uh, it, but I am going to keep it long term because uh, nice. the longer I keep, I think I, I can make more money. So you bought it for 95000 How much was the underlying mortgage? Uh, the underlying mortgage is about 70000 I believe. Okay. So you had yeah. to come up with about $20,000 cash to buy this deal. Is that correct? About, yes, about 17000 or so. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So moving ahead is the big thing to come up with the down payment type money for these properties? 
Yes. So even though you taken over subject to properties, um, even if a, a seller doesn't have any equity, you usually try to put some money on their pocket. Yeah. So that's a motivation for them. Uh, so that said, uh, you, I seen as low as like 5% entry fee, which means a $300,000 property, you still have to come up about 15 or $20,000, mm -hmm. but it, and it could go up to 10, 20%, which 20%, it doesn't make sense because if you have good credit and stuff, you can just go to the traditional way and get your own mortgage. But that said, uh, you're still trying to get these because of the underlying mortgage that's in place. Of course. No, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Well, I'm yeah. just crunching some numbers here. If if I didn't mess it up, it looks like, you know, you getting into this property was $17,000 and getting $400 a month cash flow from it means that you're going to be getting a 20% cash on cash return on your investment per year. Yes. Uh, I. I'm getting most of the the money that I invested in this property back from the down payment from the seller. That's oh, even there you go. So then it's yeah, going to be so, it's going to be yeah. infinite, <laughs> infinite. Almost, yeah. almost infinite. Yes. Yeah. No, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. Holy smokes, Peter! We've gone way over time because that this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. But to wrap things up, if people want to find out more and connect with you, how can they do that? Uh, the best way is probably just. Uh, message me through Instagram. Uh, I'm more active there. Uh, sure. I'm not a social media person. So what's what's your Instagram handle? It's just my my name. It's Peter, the letter J-Y-I-M. Peter J-Yim on yes. Instagram. Awesome, Peter. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Okay.